This is Come and See by Father Ron Baird for April 10th, 2011. The Gospel is taken from the book of John, chapter 11, verses 1 through 45. The message is by Mother Nancy Stanton. That's a really familiar story. I know most of you probably know it very well. But if someone were to ask you, what was the most striking thing about this story in John's gospel? What would your answer be? What hits you about it more than anything? Is it that Jesus stayed a couple of days before he went there? he'd heard the news that Lazarus was sick, that he wept, how he handled Mary when she tried to be a wonderful Jewish mother and manipulate him and make him feel very guilty. What hits you the most? Anybody? When he walked up to the tomb, he felt troubled. Anything else? Anybody else? I, I much, much prefer the verbiage in the King James Version where it says, he stinketh. Can you imagine he'd been in there four days? He in the heat that is in that area. Betcha he stinketh. He tells him to roll away the tomb. Who was the one that argued with him? Mary argued. He stinketh. He said, roll away the tomb, and they did. Listen to what he said. And then our deacon was very shy, tiring. He yelled in that tomb, Lazarus! Come out! Yet that got the crowd's attention. All of a sudden, they hear noise back in there. Next thing they know, here comes this penguin. He really would have been walking like a penguin because when the Jews bound them, they covered them with herbs, and then they wrapped them all up so that they were all walking like this. Poor guy. Can you imagine trying to get up with that wrap around you and then trying to walk out of the tomb? Holy Toledo, Sapphire. That would have been a toughie. That would have been a real toughie. But I guess if Jesus yelled at you and told you to come out, you probably would. You'd probably listen. 
looking back at what was read, if you were to be asked, what was the single word that occurred the most frequently in that story, what would it be? What would it? You're right, believe. Very good. <laughs> Belief. It occurs eight times, but the idea of believing or having faith occurs 13. So it was an important point for the story, wasn't it? We see at the very beginning of the passage as John points out that Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus very much. In order for John to say this, he must have known it from his own experience. And this bond of love must have been readily apparent to anyone who would have known them. You remember the story back when Jesus was visiting them at the house and they were having him for dinner and he was teaching. What happened? Remember? Who sat and listened to the story? Mary did. Mary did. And Martha got really bent out of shape, didn't she? Because she was cooking dinner. She was doing all the work. And what did Jesus say to her? She came to him and she said, do something for my sister. She's What did Jesus say to her? She's doing the right thing. Boy, that would be a slap in the face, wouldn't it? She's doing the right thing. She's listening. So we know that Jesus has been to their home. We know that it's not very far from Jerusalem. Now, if you know the rest of the story, he's just been to Jerusalem. He tore up the temple, showed that he had a temper or righteous indignation. They tried to kill him, the rest of the disciples. He got out of there. Now he wants to go back. They don't seem to think, the disciples don't seem to think, I think they are a little afraid of their lives and that they might lose them. And I love Thomas. I love Thomas almost as much as I love Jesus. Thomas says, well, let's go back and die with him. You know, we go back, we're going to be killed, so what's the big deal? Might as well go back and die. But there's this bond of love between Mary and Martha and Lazarus. It's a bond. And it's interesting to note that the bond of love is so good 
so understand, so understanding, so understood that all they needed to send Jesus was a very cryptic message saying, the one you love is sick. And he knew about Lazarus' condition. Now, notice they don't ask for Jesus to come. They don't ask for him to, you know, come on and heal him. They just say he's sick. And I believe they believe that he will come. They believe he'll show up. But despite his love, he stays where he is. And the first explicit use of the word believe occurs when Jesus tells the disciples, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. That you may come to believe. He just said that to us. Sometimes some of the things that Jesus says are just Where's he coming from? The second time when the belief is implied is when our Lord talks to his disciples about walking in the light. And as we all know in the Gospel of John, the light that illuminates our lives is the light of Christ. We walk by faith in the light of Christ. But even still, the comment that he makes is very puzzling. The next incident of implicit faith is when Martha says to our Lord, you know, even now, I'm just sure that God will give you whatever you ask of him. A little guilt there, a little Jewish mother. And she's saying that to express her belief in God, that he will do whatever Jesus asks him to do, but a little bit of manipulation here. And then she says, I know that he will rise again. And once again, we have an implicit expression of her faith. And then we come to several explicit uses of belief. When Jesus tells Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you remember back on the mountain when Moses is talking to God with the burning bush? And he says, God's talking to him, well, who shall I tell him sent me? What did God say? I am. And now Jesus says, I am. I am the resurrection, the life. Whoever believes in me, though he should die, will come to live, will come to life. And whoever is alive and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now, of course, we have Martha saying, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah. And having said this, Martha returns to her house to get Mary. Now, it's a little strange here. She goes back to the house and she said, the master calls for you. 
Now, do you remember in this gospel story, the master ever saying, go get Mary? Little manipulation again. You know, Mary's the favorite. Mary's the one that did the right thing. And she's the one that did the wrong thing. So let's go get Mary and maybe she can talk him into doing something with her brother. So Mary gets up and what's the first thing Mary says to him? If you had been here, my brother would never have died. Another Jewish mother. And again, although it's not explicitly stated, Mary is expressing her belief in Jesus. She knew who Jesus was. And her statement could well have been rephrased with, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah. And so if you had been here, There are two more uses of the word believe when our Lord tells Martha, did I not assure you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And also when he prays, Father, I have said this for the sake of the crowd, that they may believe that you sent me. And then the final use of the word is when John that many of the Jews who have come to visit Mary and to mourn with Mary and Martha have seen what Jesus did. And they then took their They believe. So we have a total of 13 times when faith or belief is mentioned either explicitly or implicitly. Now, the lesson of this gospel passage should be clear for us that we too are called by Jesus to believe in him. And sometimes it's only in our time of deepest needs that we truly turn to him, almost as a last resort. I ran across a story a couple weeks ago, and I thought, boy, does that fit this gospel. I want to share it with you. About a man who was not a Christian. In fact, he was pretty close to being an atheist. And he says in his story, in December of 1991, I was diagnosed with rectal cancer which had grown from its earliest stages because of my initial reluctance to have it examined by a doctor. By mid-January of 92, I was operated on for a colon section. During spring and summer, I concentrated on healing, but things inside just weren't right. I was experiencing too much pain too many bowel movements each day, and the medical procedure searched for the cause. And another procedure decided that I needed a colostomy. By this time, I was pretty tired of being a hospital bird, and I wanted to get it all over with and get on with my life. 
third operation was scheduled in by March of 1993. I had my new colostomy and also some bad news. During the operation, the doctor saw cancerous looking tissue but couldn't deal with it due my colostomy too. So he took some biopsies, closed me up. And the biopsies revealed cancer had returned to the same place and spreading. I was depressed beyond. It was a rainy, dreary March. And I watched the feeble light of dawn from my rain-streaked window. I was depressed and despair. Lying in the hospital, my doctor's words rang in my ears. It's a can of worms down there, Paul. You'll need another operation by a skilled team of surgeons who just do this kind of work, and I can't do it. I've always shunned and I was forever out to prove a godless universe to anyone who took the positive. I was proud of my intellectual detachment, but lying there that morning full of hopelessness and sick of it all, I asked God for help. In a moment, I drifted back into the twilight sleep, and suddenly I was surprised to find myself standing on a downtown street, complete with sidewalks and curbs. This was no dream, I thought. I am really here on this typical American street corner looking around. And just then, three people appeared from across the street walking my way. It's two men and a woman, a woman. As I got closer to me, the men sat down on the curb and began talking with each other. The woman came right up to me, smiling and giving out with such a force of joy and love that I was completely taken by her presence. She put her arm around me, and I felt a heavenly bliss, an intense concern and love emanated from her completely enthralling me. She was beautiful. Her eyes were brown and her hair dark and cut short and reminded me of Prince Valiant. With her arm around me, she looked into my eyes and said, you're going to be all right. No more medical questions. Don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. Please be happy and that as we stood there, it was clear that my time was over and they were going to leave. And the two men stood up and all three began to walk away. And I remember how earnestly I implored them to stay. The woman was the last to leave and she turned to me again and said, don't worry, be happy, everything's going to be all right. Eight months in a series of chemo treatments later, a team of three surgeons at a medical center in Portland, Oregon, opened me up. My fourth surgery. We found not a trace. Even though they were sure that it would be there. Even though they saw in the CAT scans that it was reaching for my bladder. For the whole pelvic area. All three doctors were shocked. They were just 
shock. But they were delighted. They didn't find any. I was absolutely clean. The biopsies that they took then came back all negative. Now, in the story, here we have a man with no faith until he became like Lazarus, sick, almost unto death. And only then he was healed. You notice that I said earlier that Jesus was told about Lazarus' sickness, and he stayed on a couple of days before he got up and went to Lazarus. You ever wonder when you call out to God in despair, and it just appears as though he doesn't answer right away? And if what happens to our belief? We start wavering, don't we? God, are you hearing me? Are you there? God, please, please hear what I'm saying to you. But no matter what the appearances are, God has a plan in mind. With Lazarus, Jesus waited. So there there would be no question that Lazarus had died before he raised him to life. The man in our story had just given up hope. Didn't even believe in God. Didn't think he did. But at the last resort, he turned to God in faith for help And certainly for him, it had to be blind faith. And God heard it. In order to bring the lessons of this passage into our own lives, it's interesting to read through this gospel and substitute our own name for Lazarus. Are we dead? No, not physically but we're dead to sin. And we certainly need to be raised from that death. We are the ones who are dead because of our sins and the ones who stumble in the darkness unless we walk. We are the ones who need to put faith into our lives to put our lives back right. Over halfway to Easter, over halfway through our Lenten season, we don't have much longer to go. And it's time to look at what we're doing how are we doing with what we have decided to give up from or to take on from Remember in the beginning, I asked each of you not to make the decision for yourselves of what you would give up for Lent, but to pray and to ask Jesus what he would have you give up for. 
Has it been easy? Has everybody had an easy time walking through this? about you, but I have. I find that I struggle. I think I'm doing well, and then all of a sudden I struggle because something makes me feel like I can, I could do that, you know. Jesus would understand. It wouldn't be that bad. Easy to talk ourselves into easy to talk ourselves into the fact that sometimes Satan can even make it look wonderful. Remember, Satan was the most beautiful angel that God ever created. And he can come to us in great beauty and make things look wonderful and fun and whoa. And he deceives us, doesn't he? How are you doing through this land? Take some time this week and look. Are you being deceived? Or are you taking each step as you should to follow Jesus? I think it's very interesting that my diagnosis has come during Lent. And first thing that that I felt like was that I needed to take a day at a time. I needed to live each day as it came. If I'm going to wake up tomorrow and be paralyzed, I want to live this day to its fullest, to what Jesus wants me to do. And so I've tried very hard to take it a step at a time. And there's a big joke around here when somebody asks me how I feel. Feel fantastic. Well, I do feel not physically. Physically, I hurt. But mentally, I feel fantastic because I feel that Jesus is giving me the strength to take one step at a time, one day at a time, one day of waking up and saying, Ooh, everything's moving. I can get up. It's great. It's great. I was told by others I was in I guarantee you I am not in I have many things that are being put into place so that if the worst does happen, things are in place and my kids won't be burdened with having to do things that I don't want them to do. We have a wonderful secretary here that I love dearly and every morning she calls to make sure I have something in place so that she can help somebody. Nothing. But I do believe Jesus. And I do believe that God has a reason for it. I don't know what it is. I don't want to know. I really don't want to. I don't want to know the future. I want to know my day. 
Now, is it always easy? Absolutely. Night before last, I couldn't sleep. I just absolutely couldn't sleep. I was in a lot of pain and I couldn't get in a comfortable position. And my arms and my legs on my left side were tingling. My arms were tingling. And I knew that the nerves were being involved at that point. And I was scared. And I cried out to God and said, hey, where are you? I'm getting scared here. Can you help me out? Please, please help me. I got through the day, one step at a time. I had to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I lost my son. Please help me. Help my unborn None of us are. We all struggle. We all struggle. We're the ones who stumble in the darkness unless we walk. We're the ones who need faith to put our lives right. Because without faith, how do we For it was by Christ's faith in his Father that enabled him to bring Lazarus back to life. And it was his newfounded faith by the subject in our story which brought about his miraculous healing. Faith can do wonders for each of us in every situation, every day of our lives. You have been listening to Come and See by Father Ron Baird. Come and See is a production of St. Andrew's Church in Lewis Center, Ohio. St. Andrew's is also available online at www.standrewspolaris.org. Please join us again when we invite you to Come and See.